Hi, good day and welcome to About Patterson, a podcast about the past, present, and future of our hometown, Patterson, New Jersey. As all Pattersonians know, Patterson was founded by our first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, in 1791. Hamilton's vision for Patterson was as America's first planned industrial city, but even Hamilton couldn't have seen what Patterson would become. Patterson led the Industrial Revolution where Sam Colt manufactured his first revolvers, John Ryle manufactured America's first silk, Thomas Rogers built the first American locomotives, and John Holland tested the world's first modern submarine. But Patterson isn't just about the Industrial Revolution, it's about us, the people of Patterson. It's about our parents, our grandparents, and our great-grandparents who came to America and settled in Patterson for a better life. We all know Patterson today isn't the Patterson we grew up in, but something is happening that no one saw coming. After decades of decline, a miracle happened. Two Pattersonians, former Mayor Bill Pascrell in the House of Representatives and Frank Lautenberg in the United States Senate, passed a bill that was signed by President Barack Obama, making our Great Falls District a national park, and in my view, changed Patterson's future for the better. This is a podcast about Patterson, the historic Patterson we learned about, the Patterson we grew up in, and the Patterson that, in my opinion, is emerging from the ashes. So thanks so much for joining me today. My name is Ed Franks, and I'm from Patterson, New Jersey. Welcome to the fourth episode of the About Patterson podcast. This week's episode is about the Meyer Brothers Fire of 1991. One of the things my generation looked forward to back in the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s was going downtown Patterson to shop, go to a movie, or find something to eat. Whether you lived within walking distance of downtown or came in by bus to be dropped off at City Hall, it was always a great day. Back then, Patterson was a shopping and entertainment mecca for Pattersonians and the people who lived in Glenrock, Fairlawn, East Patterson, Saddlebrook, Clifton, and so many other of our surrounding towns. There were no big indoor malls then, so Patterson was where everyone went. I know each and every one of us has memories of downtown Patterson. My go-to theaters were always the Garden and the Fabian Theaters. At the Fabian Theater, I was able to see the latest Abbott and Costello movie, or even a Muhammad Ali-Joe Fraser fight for the heavyweight championship. Probably my favorite restaurant was the Port Arthur where we would sit at the second-story table overlooking the corners of Broadway and Main, eating chow mein for maybe a dollar or two. If you ask anyone of my generation to name a downtown store, they'll often come up with Quackenbush's or Meyer Brothers. Both stores were operating in Patterson long before the Great Fire of 1902. Christmas shopping downtown was always something special that people still talk about today. As a small boy, my mother took me to Quackenbush's for my annual picture with Santa, and every year downtown Patterson was decorated as if Hollywood was filming a Christmas movie. The store we know as Meyer Brothers started off as Boston store and dates back to the 1880s. Three brothers, David, Aaron, and Leopold Meyer, started their first store in Newark. After their success in Newark, the brothers opened a store in downtown Patterson on, a cor- on the corner of Main and Market Streets in the mid-1880s. The store drew such large crowds that the brothers needed a much larger store, 
They found one in the Van Son building at 181-187 Main Street. At the time, this was the largest amount of retail floor space in the city. By 1890, the store outgrew that space, so the brothers purchased the property directly behind their store on Washington Street and constructed a new four-story addition. By joining the two structures into one, they created one massive store, and for the next 12 years, their business grew. Then on February 9, 1902, shortly after midnight, an overheated stove in the trolley shed on Lower Broadway caught fire. Fanned by 60-mile-an-hour winter winds, the blaze tore through downtown Patterson and leapfrogged up to Sandy Hill, a residential neighborhood to the east. Although there were only two deaths connected with that fire, it destroyed 459 buildings, more than a quarter of the city's structure, and 26 city blocks. Homes, stores, churches, and banks were burned to the ground. Patterson lost the Danforth Public Library, a new city hall, and the Hamilton Club. It was, and still is, the worst fire in New Jersey history. After 20 years of hard work, in one night the Meyer Brothers store lay in ruins. But the brothers vowed to rebuild a bigger and better store. Construction began almost immediately, and by Christmas, the Meyer Brothers Boston store was ready for Christmas shoppers. The Morning Call reported on December 13, 1902, a few months ago, the property upon which the Boston store now stands was a heap of ruins left by the Great Fire of February last. Even a few weeks ago, the structure was scarcely enclosed. Yesterday, it was a seething mass of shoppers, bent on viewing the splendid triumph and skill of the artisans who had pushed the work day and night. They reported that the new modern store is a magnificent structure, it occupies on Main Street, right in the center of the block between Ellison and Van Houten Streets, a frontage of 125 feet running clear back to Washington, on which there is also a frontage of another 130 feet. From Maine to Washington, another 200 feet, an entire width of the block. The height of the building from sidewalk to roof is 107 feet. Each floor of the massive building was 3,500 square feet of floor space, making a grand total of 150,000 square feet. The outside of the building was constructed of white terracotta. The brothers were so proud of their new building that at the top, high above the main street entrance, their name, Meyer Brothers, was scrolled. The local paper said the vestibule at the main entrance is one of the prettiest in the country. The doors, sidewalls, and ceiling are of solid mahogany. Three large elevators, each capable of carrying 25 people, have been installed. The new building was all Patterson. The brothers bragged that their great merchandising palace came from plans drawn by a Patterson architect, the structure was built by a Patterson contractor, and the fixtures and showcases were built by a Patterson firm. Every brick in the building... Uh, and there were five million of them, was laid by Patterson Union Mechanics. That's the store we all fondly remember. At the time, Aaron Meyer bought out his two brothers and changed the name from the Boston store to Meyer Brothers. On April 13, 1925, his son, Bertram, Bert Meyer, took over management of the store. 
During his ownership, the store had a smartly dressed doorman and a private free shuttle bus service for shoppers from its private parking lot on Godwin Street to the store's back back entrance on Washington Street. Bert also opened the dining room. According to legend, Bert Meyer was so meticulous about the appearance of his employees that he conducted daily inspections to make sure all the clerks were dressed in classic black or navy and elevator operators were outfitted with flawless white gloves. Bert Meyer operated the store until his death in January 1963. During his 30 years running the store, Bert Meyer was always a generous man to Patterson. Even after his death, Meyer showed great devotion to the city by establishing a $3 million foundation in his parents' memory, Aaron and Rachel Meyer. They gave generous donations each year to local charities, welfare, and religious institutions. Following his death, the store was taken over by his nephew, Philip Lowey. In 1972, Lowey began construction of a two-story, 100,000-square-foot branch in Wayne that opened in October. In 1984, Lowey closed the store in Patterson, and on November 4, 1986, Philip Lowey sold the property for $4 million. The new owners broke up the massive building into smaller, more rentable units. On Thursday, January 17, 1991, at 5.44 a.m., an alarm was sounded after a passing patrolman noticed smoke coming from Underground 2, a store next to the Meyer Brothers store. The alarm office at Madison Avenue dispatched engine number 4 from the Northside Firehouse on Temple Street. Engine Company Number 4 reported arriving at 5.46 a.m. They discovered a working fire at Underground 2. The firefighters broke open the steel security gate and began to run hoses into the building trying to extinguish the fire. The intensity of the smoke and fire drove the men out of the building. They barely got out. When the firemen got together outside, they immediately did a head count and realized 28-year-old, five-year veteran John A. Nicosia was missing. The men re-entered the building three times, crawling on their hands and knees, looking for Nicosia, but were driven out by the intense heat and smoke. In their third attempt, going in again on their hands and knees, feeling with their hands, the roof began to collapse, driving them out of the building. Approximately an hour later, a call was made reporting heavy smoke that was hindering the efforts of the first responder units. A third alarm was called in at 6.22 a.m., which brought Acting Fire Chief Joseph Forbes to the rapidly escalating blaze. Chief Forbes put out the call for a general alarm at 6.33 a.m., requesting a full mutual aid response. Units from surrounding areas began to arrive later in the morning. From the old department store, the fire spread to a second building, and there was a minor blowout of windows and a large bowl of fire. Fire Chief John Morrow arrived at 7.20 a.m. and assumed command of the operation. It was at this time that Chief Morrow was notified of a missing and presumed lost firefighter. Despite numerous desperate attempts by the on-scene units to locate him, firefighter John Nicosia of, John, of engine company number four could not be accounted for. Fire was spreading through the buildings that formed the block between Maine and Washington streets. Firefighting efforts were being greatly hampered by the high winds and low temperatures of the, of the cold winter morning. 
By mid-morning, virtually every Patterson firefighter, more than 220 men, were at the scene when firefighters began arriving from Passaic, Essex, and Bergen counties. By mid-afternoon, nearly 400 firefighters were on the scene. That whole block is gone, James Miller said, the manager of Furniture King on Main Street, not too far from Meyer Brothers' store. We were up on the roof before. We were in a four-story building, and we could feel the heat. It was very, very intense. By 10.30, the fire had worked its way from Underground 2 to the interconnected building spaces and then into the for- former Meyer Brothers department store. When the Meyer Brothers store was closed, the building was partitioned into smaller, rentable units. A large number of individual spaces, combined with the high wind and low temperatures, took its toll on the firefighting efforts. Chief Morrow said, It looked to me like the fire was approaching the conflagration stage. The effect of the wind was combining with the thermal column from the fire to drive the fire through the block. The fire was, dis- was declared a full-scale fire disaster. As more than fire- 400 firefighters battled the blaze along Main Street, the fire ignited the roofs of other commercial buildings on the east side along Washington Street. At approximately 11 a.m., the chief was notified that there was a working fire in the City Hall Annex on Washington Street. The building had apparently become victim to the wind-blown embers that were being hurled, hurled aloft by the columns of heat rising from the Meyer Brothers store. Chief Morrow immediately directed a Patterson Engine Company to the annex. One of my major concerns at this point, Morrow said, was that the fires on the two blocks would come together. Because of that, I positioned the aerial devices from Elmwood Park, Totowa Borough, and Englewood Fire Departments so that we could cut the fire off if that became necessary. By mid-afternoon, there were 45 fire departments on the scene from three northern New Jersey counties. We were forced to evacuate a large area of downtown, Morrow said, Passaic County College, as well as the City Board of Education offices, City Hall, and a large number of residential, commercial, and mercantile occupancies had to be evacuated because of the heavy smoke, the high wind conditions, and the heavy volume of flying embers. By late afternoon, fatigue began to take its toll. Faced with hidden pockets of fire, heavy smoke, and a deep concern for the missing brother, weary firemen paused only briefly for the occasional break at one of the several canteen units on the scene. A lot of the downtown merchants opened their doors to us and helped feed the army of firefighters working to bring the fire under control, Chief Morrow said. At 5 p.m., an exhausted Mayor William J. Pascrell Jr. said the fire is contained but not under control. By late last night, the fire still was not completely out. The search for the missing firefighter continued into the night along a block and a half of smoldering ruins. We know he went in there, but with the collapsing walls and ceilings, we don't know what happened, said Mayor Pascrell. The smoke was so thick, he said, that the firefighters could not even see with their lights. The missing firefighter, who was identified as John Nicosia, was 27 years old, had entered the clothing store with several others, but failed to return when they were driven out by the heat and smoke, the mayor said. At approximately 6 p.m., Chief Morrow called for the local contractor to respond with two cranes to assist with the search of Nicosia. 
and floodlights were assembled to assist with the nighttime search. The work was slow and arduous, with the labor being hampered by the heat and smoke given off by the fire in the collapsed building. The search efforts continued all day Friday. Several firefighters were treated for minor injuries and smoke inhalation. Mayor Pasquale was taken to St. Joseph's Hospital and Medical Center for treatment of smoke inhalation and then released. It wasn't until Saturday afternoon at approximately 12.15 p.m. that John Nicosia was found in the back left corner of the women's apparel shop. Ironically, it was one of the other three firefighters, Firefighter Ronald Hankey, that arrived with Nicosia on the scene that Tuesday morning that found his body. Six firefighters under the command of Chief Morrow moved down into the hole at the rear of the store, working at great personal risk because of the structural conditions of the fire-damaged building. It took 45 minutes for the firefighters to remove their brother's body. Nicosia was wearing a breathing apparatus, and it was speculated at the time that he may have run out of air. However, the coroner determined Nicosia died of carbon monoxide poisoning. John Nicosia was a 28-year-old native of Patterson. He grew up in the People's Park section. He was born at Barnett Memorial Hospital and grew up on East 20th Street. He graduated from St. Anthony's School and attended Don Bosco Technical High School, where he played baseball. He married a neighborhood girl, Mary Ellen Danzy, and they lived for a time in John's parents' house, saving money to buy a house of their own. John Anthony Nicosia was eulogized at the family church, St. Anthony's, as a hero who sacrificed his life in the line of duty. The church was filled to capacity, and more than 2,000 firemen stood seven rows deep in the 17-degree winter cold. Many in the 400-vehicle motorcade came from as far away as Massachusetts and Virginia. Mayor Bill Pascrell and members of the city council were present. Chief Morrow said, He was a special fireman, a special person. As a firefighter, he was diligent, he was professional, very eager to learn, the epitome of what a firefighter should be. He was also an exemplary husband, brother, and son. As the Emerald Society of Sussex County played bagpipes, Nicosia's coffin was carried from the church, and the seemingly endless cordage of left the church for one last ride past his north side firehouse on the way to Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in Totowa, where John Nicosia was laid to rest. Words can never describe my feelings of pride for the manner in which my personnel performed. They worked their heart outs. They did everything I asked and more, Chief Morrow said. I think it is important to point out that units from all 16 communities in the Passaic Mutual Aid Pact including the cities of Clifton and Passaic, were either working at the fire or covering vacant Patterson stations within 36 minutes of the first alarm. Officials did not know what caused the fire, which broke out in Underground 2, a clothing store at 161 Main Street. Whipped by strong winds, the fire spread rapidly up and down the stores lining the street. The state of fire emergency, which was declared on January 17th, remained in effect until 6 p.m. on February 22nd. Mayor Pasquale, in the initial damage estimate, not including the contents of the store, was between 13 and 15 million dollars. We're talking about a major disaster here, the mayor said. It's devastating, but we'll come back. Thanks for joining me today for the Meyer Brothers Fire 
fire that took away one of our most treasured memories of our Patterson. Next week's podcast will be about one of the statues outside City Hall. We all know the Hobart statue that stands in the center of the plaza. On Hobart's right is the statue of former Mayor Andrew F. McBride. On Hobart's left is the topic of next week's podcast and one of Patterson's most generous benefactors, Nathan Barnard. Have a great week and thanks again for tuning in.